0: With social media, anyone can become famous or infamous in a way that didn't happen before we were all connected 24-7. When social media came out, we learned about folks who have a filter between their brain and their mouth or their keyboard and those who do not have a filter. And as a Gen Xer who's seen these platforms develop, spike, and then shift or go away... It's really been amazing to watch the change in how people view their digital persona. You know, I remember the days when AOL came out and we all got to hear the screech of the sound on the phone and someone yelling upstairs to get out of the chat room so that they could actually use the telephone in the house. That is how old I am. You were buying minutes or you were getting CDs in the mail and you had a specific amount of time you could spend online. Yeah, I'm, I'm that old. But this new revolution and evolution around social really had me thinking, you know, what, what is the future going to look like for this? Hey, I'm Katie Ostrico, um, your host for Curious KDO, And in this podcast, I'm going to dive deep into some of the random thoughts I have around social media, um, around the evolution of social media, around how people are thinking about it as a part of their life. Um, You know, my thoughts are usually as random as I am and if you're like me and you're curious about a thousand different things, hit subscribe and I'd love to connect with you. With the social evolution, it's really been a learning curve. I mean, you know, how much do you share versus how much do you keep private? And everybody has a different lens on how they view that. You know, what do you want the world to know versus what do you want your friends to know versus what do you want just a select group to know? And understanding that whatever goes on up there, whatever you put out, is going to live forever. I mean, you technically cannot delete anything from the internet. There are people that will find it. So whatever you're putting is almost like this permanent stamp or this digital tattoo of what you're thinking at the time. And what we're seeing is these folks are crafting personas that are real or in a lot of cases they're made up. And it's like living in a reality-based TV world or jumping into some kind of fantasy of something that doesn't really exist or a person that you aren't really, you know, synced up with who you actually are in real life. And what you're finding is that people are finding fame with a group of people that may or may not be good folks um, because they like the feeling of being loved digitally online. You know, they're tracking likes and shares and comments, they're relishing in this positive feedback that they're getting, they're also fretting and having stress about all this negative interaction. And to me, that just sounds exhausting. (laughs) So when I think about this, you know, I I pulled up a little bit of data because I was curious, how much is social or digital interacting people's lives today? So the average person spends about three hours a day on social media so that's the average. Um, so you can imagine the high and the low required to get to there works out to about thirty-six days a year. So a little over a month each year, people are spending completely online in a world that is virtual and doesn't really exist. Um, you know, my my response to that was like, "Damn, that's a lot." <laughs> and so, if you think about it, experts say that if you spend three or more hours on anything. Specifically with social media, they're saying you're officially addicted. So first question I would have for you is how much time do you spend on social media? You know, what is your average per week or per day? And the real question where it becomes an addiction, you know, if you go on, you want to see what's on the news, you kind of flip through and you wander about your day. It's the folks that are constantly wondering what's happening, what's current, what are the comments, what am I missing out on that like FOMO experience that people have. Do you check it first thing in the morning or do you do it right before you go to bed because you want to make sure you never have a gap in, in what's going on? Is it part of your job? So that's another piece is if you have to spend a lot of time on social media, is it something you get paid to do? Not as an influencer, but as your job. And as you think about it more and more jobs have popped up as a result of the amount of time people are spending on digital so think about it like any other you know addictive activity like if you said you spent three hours each day drinking at the bar um your friends and family might have you know say hey that person's got a problem but if you spend three or four or five hours quote unquote building your network or trying to be an influencer For a lot of people, that's viewed as a positive or like a side hustle or these other gigs. It's not necessarily viewed as an addiction. So let's go back to when a lot of this started. So I tried to think back, you know, when Facebook started and when it first came out, you know, I had a Facebook account and you did what everybody did, which is you connected to all these people from like high school that I hadn't thought about in over a decade and for whatever reason, it was this idea of get as many followers as you can, until you paused a minute and went, "Why? Like, why does that matter?" Well, it. I think it was tied to high school. I'll be frank, because I think it was like this. Oh, I'm super interesting and popular, and like we all know high school and Mean Girls and popular and and what that meant. So it's just, like it became this weird metaphor. Like, oh, I'm a popular cool kid now, even though I'm 15 years post graduation. And, you know, I don't know that there could be a better metaphor for that the Facebook and walk in the halls of your high school and, and the trauma that comes with that. But until you start to realize that you really do not care much about these people that you don't know and don't interact with, you know, that you don't want to worry about what you share with strangers and You didn't really care how many followers you have or what they think about any given topic, which is what I think made a bunch of people get off of social media or really trim down their friends is, I don't really care what you think about any given topic if I don't really know you or interact with you. So for me, you know, my Instagram is private. I have a small group of people who I actually know and interact with and see on a regular basis and I'm good. Um, I've had younger folks that work for me, especially in my communications area, that joke, they're like, you only have 50 followers. And I shift that to go, no, I have like 50 friends and family who can know what I'm up to, who can see pictures of my family, no matter where we are. um, And they're people I actually know. And if I didn't need to have a Facebook for work, since my team and I manage social media, um, you know, you used to be able to have a company, Facebook, and now they do it through your personal. Gee, I wonder why, probably because a lot of social media people were not using it anymore. Um, and if I didn't need to see notifications that are on Facebook now for daycare and school and sports and things like that, I'll be honest, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have it at all. Um, but that's not typical. There's so many of my generation and other generations where Facebook, because of the things that it's advanced and grown into, it's become this thing that is everywhere. So I think one of the challenges that happened, you know, with people is they started to view followers as friends. There used to be this break between who are my friends and who are people that are just interested in what I'm doing. And I think that started to meld together for some people. And so what happened is this nebulous group of voices that may or may not be real started to influence how people thought and acted in real life. And that's like going to a store and assuming everyone there is your friend because you happen to be in the same place or the same aisle at the same time, which sounds insane, right? So imagine feeling like you have to respond to comments or reply back to strangers who had an opinion on something you did. You know, would you care if someone you never met told you in, in the grocery store aisle um, not to buy Fruit Loops or Captain Crunch cereal, And if you were anything like me, you'd probably give them your best dirty look and walk away. You wouldn't actually take their opinion of some person you never met and have no idea who they are. You know, they could be like a Cheerios person trying to like get more Cheerios sales. I don't know. And so that interaction in real life would put up your radar of like, oh, this is weird. But in digital world, people will comment and do the same thing. And you're like, oh, I have to respond. I have to defend my opinion. I have to, you know, take into consideration what they said. And it's like, no, you don't. And so chances are in real life, you nod or grunt or walk away or tell them to mind their own business. But in social, we let strangers tell us what they think all the time and feel like their comment has worth to it when it might have none. And if it's somebody you don't know, why do you care what they think? And so this feeling and the weight of some people now to have to post or comment to your audience. Um, because you believe that what they say is as important as the person you're hanging out with on the couch in real life. And to me, that's, that's just insanity on the face of it. You know, influencers, you'll see it. They're like faces are glued to their devices. They measure their worst in the number of posts and try to create a world of followers devoted to them. Um, you know, until those followers move on to the next person. And it becomes this all-consuming drive to get strangers to care. Um, Something I'm guessing most of us would never actually do in real life. You know, every place you go to, you're not going to want every single person in there to care about what you think. And so these people put more and more of their personal thoughts into the public space. And we wonder why there's more tension and disagreements and division and depression. It's really easy to be anonymous and say terrible things. It's really easy to find things that trigger people to get likes and clicks. And in doing that, we've lost the ability to really have dialogue and conversation and debate. Debate is not a four-letter word. Debate just means I come with the facts that I have and the experiences I have, and you do the same. And we talk through those with the hope of finding the places where they overlap, learning things we didn't know before. And if you think about social media, that is not how that is influencing our society. So I wanted to share this with you because I think as a parent, this is something else to think about. And I know a lot of my friends are really rethinking about their kids and their digital footprint and their experience. So 65% of the people in the U.S. say that social media has a negative effect, get this, on our country, communities, friends, family, and children. So more than half of the people in this country think it's bad. And yet so many are spending hour after hour locked in sharing, commenting, finding a community, no matter how weird it is or how unique it is or whatever it looks like, just to feel connected. You know, social media can make people feel depressed, anxious, bullied, or compare their real life to a carefully curated one of people you do not know. You know, it used to be keeping up with the Joneses, right? The neighbors next to you who got a new car, and and you never knew what was going on inside of their house when they had that new car in the driveway. And now you just make that exponential with everybody on social media. You know, one of the things that's come out is that kids who used to be bullied at school, you could go home and have a safe environment, and now that follows you home. Or if you see friends that are going somewhere or getting something that you don't have, this depression or anxiety just builds to this place where you're comparing yourself to somebody that's not even a real person and not their real experience. So if somebody told you that that's what would happen, you create a social media account and you might get depressed, anxious, bullied. You're going to compare yourself to people who don't know you. You're going to be pulled into this, you know, 36 days out of the year. Would you ever create a social media account? And more importantly, why would you ever let your kid who has not developed yet to a place to be able to handle that, why would you ever let them have one? And I think that's why parents are rethinking the age that their kids get phones and specifically the age that their kids get social media. You know, waiting until they're able to comprehend or talk about what happens when you put yourself online, especially as you are shaping your thoughts and ideas of the world. You know, the ability to be able to see nuance and to understand other experiences and to understand your own experience as you're figuring out what that looks like. You know, I remember my son one time was asking how to spell the word, word elementary, um, this, like, last year. And, and, and I'm like, what's going on? And he said he was on Roblox, and someone asked what school he went to. Now, he's 10. And in his mind, he assumed it was another kid. You know, this person shared a name and something else and was like, oh, what school do you go to? And he didn't see it as an issue. But as a parent, I had to have a really firm talk about how you don't share your real name, address, school, city, parents name, where we live, zip code. You know, any of that with strangers online. Because that person could be a huge danger. And at 10, that thought wouldn't have crossed his mind. Because he's used to making friends on the playground, friends at school. Share who you are. Share where you go to school. And just transferred that to the digital world. But at my age, those dangers were front and center. And so until kids have the ability to understand the nuance of that, I think a lot of people are starting to rethink how much they not only spend themselves online, but specifically what it looks like for their kids to interact online. So let me ask you this. Have you ever stayed up later than you thought because you were flipping through TikTok or Reels? Yeah. Um, Have you ever been distracted from something that you should have been focused on because you were looking at social media? I'm sure every parent has done that. You've heard the, like, mom, can you put your phone down? And that's a jolt to you because you only get a certain amount of hours, especially if you work with your kids. And how you're disconnecting from them or how present you are can be a hot topic. You know, do you see how many people like or comment your stuff or what they say? I mean, as a digital person who does it for a living, yeah, we're trained to do that because it's part of a return on investment. I spend this amount of time. Do I get enough return or comment or interaction and ultimately sales out of it? But how does that translate when you're a person? Because I'm not trying to sell anything. So let's counter that with people that have no social media. They have no desire to join social media, have never had accounts and are perfectly okay living their lives without it. Um, in today's world, these folks are probably going to be studied at some point because they are anomalies. Best estimate is that there's 5% of the population that's not on social media. Now, when you put that into a number form, it's 350 million people, right? For probably a wide range of reasons that have opted out of social media, but 5% are not on social media, which means the rest of us, 95% of the people are doing something and there's a small group that's not. So I would say there's probably a couple reasons people don't have social media, um, which I'm sure we can relate to. They'll tell you it's a waste of time. Um, they don't want people to comment on their life. They don't want to have contact with people. They don't want to blend their personal professional life. Um, they don't want whatever they do to be public to strangers. So a, a lot of it is probably around keeping their life private. Um, and I'm married to one of these. Uh, my husband has never had a social media account. Um, Lives a perfectly normal life. Oftentimes has no clue what's going on with memes and videos. It's funny. Sometimes I catch him watching um, actually like live TV where they're showing funny video memes from social media and he's cracking up and I'm like, oh my gosh, that was popular a couple months ago. He has no clue and happy as a clam, right? Um, And I think you're going to see more and more people start to think about that. And so while others are trying to find a way to make their life their career, right? Let's think of like the Kardashians who basically have made be, having their life be their career. You know, there are others perfectly content to keep all of that private and just have a regular job and almost flash back to like the 1980s before any of this came about. So, what will the future of social media turn into? Got a couple of theories I thought I'd share with you. So, my first theory is that we will eventually cease to be actual people. And we will just become these online personas. You know, my husband and I um, were watching some kids record a dance routine in the middle of the sidewalk the other day. Um, And we looked at them with confusion as they did multiple takes. You know, something we would never, ever even think to do. (laughs) And it's not like these folks that talk to a screen like they're talking to actual people. You know, you don't know who's listening. So it's like you're talking to a screen. And so this persona that you've created has become the person who you are or who you want to be. So for my job, um, when TikTok came out for work purposes, I had to try to understand how it worked, right? How does a regular person go on there and get comments? How do you trend? What does that look like? And so for three months, you know, I focused on it, and and once I had something that got hundreds of comments and tens of thousands of likes, I happily quit doing three videos a day, deleted my account, and took it off my phone. Um, because it wasn't something I was interested in doing long term. I was trying to figure out for work: is this something we should incorporate into our social media strategy? And so I think you know, will people get more reclusive? Will they stay in their home? And this online personality or this social profile. Does it start to replace who they are as a person out in the real world and become their actual profile? You know, the history of influencers have taught us time and time again that those projections are nowhere near close to real. Um, And you see that because you often see the shock when something happens in their life and fans are like, oh, my gosh, how could that happen? I thought they had the perfect marriage. So. You know, I read an article in the Wall Street Journal magazine about an influencer who I had never heard of, but um, who lost his marriage, you know, dismissed his kids all the time when he was recording videos for these anonymous followers, and was eventually found dead with his phone resting on his chest because he was chasing this imaginary following of people who likely within a day or two of when he passed away had moved on. And to me, that's just crazy to think about, you know, that, you, that all of these other things you'd be willing to give up for these people that Aaron may not be real and definitely probably don't care. Um, and stepping away from the person you are to create this person that you want to be, it can be enticing, but it's not real. And I think at the core, we're mammals in an ecosystem, right? Let's break this down. We're a collective that needs others, not through the virtual dopamine hits, but through actual connections. Um, And connections are messy and random and they ebb and flow over time. You know, I'm a let's grab dinner or let's grab lunch or let's grab coffee kind of person. Um, Because if my only interaction is on text, I will be honest, I'm the worst. I forget that people texted me. Um, I'll go back and forth a little bit before I'm like, I'm distracted. I got to go do something else. I set my phone down and I forget about it for a couple days. Um, so if you are somebody that ever texts me and you're like, oh my gosh, she didn't respond in like an hour and a half. She must be mad. It's like, no, that's really typical. (laughs) Um, but I will happily do dinner and sit down across from you for three or four hours and wrestle stuff out. And that's super fun for me. And that's where I make connections. And so I can only imagine the exhaustion of trying to be a real person and the fake person you've created online. And if we continue down this path, I think we'll see a group of people who, will thrive out in the world, and I think you're going to see, this is my other theory, you're going to see this group of people pull back and step out of the system and only be, for lack of a better word, digital people. My second theory is that there's going to be a huge revolt against content and posting your life online, and we might move back to an era that feels more like the 1990s before the age of social media. You know, being constantly connected, being on all the time, having to respond immediately to every text or note is draining. And that's before you get a full-time job in a family. And, and it's nearly impossible after you do. And so our brains were not meant to absorb the news and drama in the state that we are. I mean, it, our brains were really set up to go, okay, what's happening in my town? What's some things that might be happening in my city? What are one or two things in the state level? Like what's going on in my state? And then what's some of the national stuff that might be happening? We were not meant to absorb every world event, catastrophe, drama of every group of people in every square footage of this planet, you know, and have a response for it. We believe the world is terrible because terrible gets ratings and that's all we see all day. You know, before all this constant connection, you would get 30 minutes of local news that had 10 minutes of local drama, and then you'd get your, you know, news, sports, and weather, and 30 minutes of national news to get kind of a smattering or an overview of what's going on, and that's it. 60 minutes. And now you could be exposed to everything all the time, and I believe our brains were not meant to process all of that, which is why we're struggling to find things like joy, When you see this world of despair and there seems to be this huge gap or this challenge in going, hey, all of this feels like it's getting better, but it's still terrible. And we've got to figure out a way to get beyond that and find the joy in things, even if there are other terrible things. We can't absorb every terrible thing everywhere and think that it doesn't affect us. You know, I was thinking about this, like think about if we had social media during the French Revolution like when they were chopping off heads or the crusades and we were sitting where you're sitting today, you know, would we have had a group of depressed people everywhere or people trying to figure this out? Sure. You know, we didn't, at that point in time didn't get a feed and a constant, you know, elements of all of these things all the time. And so they didn't have to make it personal. They'd get the news as it came in. They would talk to families that traveled and friends that traveled But you could absorb the horrific nature of that over time. And it wasn't something that you had to deal with every day, all day. And so I think about that. Like people who posted daily or multiple times a day to share their thoughts to the world. You know, are they going to continue to pull back? Are they posting less and less? Because the mental load of being online and living out loud is not all it's cracked up to be. And if people start putting out less content... In certain situations, it's great to know what's going on in the world and it democratizes things in a way that it never had before. But in doing that, we've set up societies that are not capable of handling all of that kind of information. And what you learn about people and you see the rabbit holes that they wander down, you know, a lot of times it's not a good thing. They're looking for meaning and answers where there might not be any and they're finding things that aren't true or aren't real to try to understand what that looks like. And so the question I have about all of this is will younger people know how to form relationships, build lasting relationships with a partner without technology to augment it? You know, do they know what goes into building something like a lasting marriage and, you know, to quote, quote Michelle Obama, like it's not amazing 100% of the time. It's not Instagram reels ready 100% of the time. But if you find your person, it will be the best thing you do in life, hands down, you know, without role models to show you what that looks like, you know, with Gen Z, so me being kind of the last generation of the pre-tech generation, we're now in our 40s and 50s, you know, no one in their teens, I get it, will listen to us like this is the old days. No, you meet everybody online or through all of these different platforms and you swipe to the right or you choose people. But I hope they do listen because I can't imagine having connections with people that I've never talked to or met and only interacted via text and think that there's some kind of deep emotional connection there. I, my brain can't get there. Um, I don't understand the menu of online dating. Like It's like trying to buy a car. You're looking at features and benefits. And you're not getting to know the person who may think you're amazing and you think they're amazing. So what if they're 5'10 and they're not 6'3? You know, it, it, it seems insane to me that people are putting these features and benefits together and then knocking people out who could be amazing partners for them. You know, when my husband and I started, his job, we were making like 30000 a year when we got married. So I didn't have a 6'3 and I didn't have somebody making 200000 a year. Guess what? You know, we built something together we've built those different pieces together that that's a true story like when you think about a real friend or a significant other without that personal connection you know if you don't know how to really connect with somebody without your phone it's something that's going to take practice and it'll be interesting for me to watch how this younger group that's so digitally connected that think they have so many options do they pass up on people because they don't meet some crazy feature benefit list that they could build a life together? And for my husband and I, we'll be celebrating 25 years of being married this year. And we've made all of the things. We've you know worked, I've worked, I've not worked. We've you know had a family, we've moved, we bought things, we vacationed together. You know we built a life together. And it really came down to the fact that when we first met, doing dishes in college we just like hanging out with each other and we like the other person and we wanted to do things to make the other person happy and it was as simple as that all right the final theory I have as to what I think will happen um, with all of this digital and social um, with TikTok specifically um, is that you'll see the next new platform rise up and it'll replace another platform You know, any of these platforms that think like, Oh, I've got it, nobody's ever gonna displace me, like okay, MySpace, AOL, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, TikTok, like they all come in with different levels of adoption. Um, they stay and then they fade out. And it's usually when the quote unquote old people start using it and pollute all the content that people move on to something else. And so You know, these companies are smart, purposeful designs, hook people and keep them focused and having them spend hours without realizing it, right? That's really the key. Are you on there a lot? Can I sell advertising? Mm -hmm. And if it continues, I think there's going to be a split between embracers and revolters. So you'll always have people that'll jump on any new platform and check it out and test it out. That's just part of life. Um, And then you'll have others that think it is too much and will eventually make everything private and limit the spending of time you know, and it'll get less and less and less on there. And the interesting thing is you've got industries and jobs that built up around these platforms. You know, businesses, people, influencers, celebrities. Um, they're all becoming more public, more connected. Um, and, you know, it gave rise to this brand new ecosystem of businesses and organizations. And but when you look at it, you know, right, there were also stable hands and blacksmiths in every town until there weren't. And so things move in and out, like fashion, trends, styles, and I don't think social media is any different. So what is today will likely not be the future. And so for these companies, staying ahead of it is the game. If I came to you with something and said, you know, this new item will require you to share your most personal thoughts with everyone on earth, and the more time you spend on it, the more you'll be addicted, you'll feel worse about yourself and others, And you'll start to pull away from relationships and people until you are all alone with anonymous people telling you what they think about you. Would you ever sign up for that? So in 2024, my goal is to spend less time on social media. It's to be more connected with the people around me and find new connections in person and together. Um, It's to think about what I post. And is that helping or hurting? Is it something I'm doing out of obligation or is it part of my job? Um, And if I'm not using a platform, I'll get it off of my phone. I'll get it off of my devices. So what is your social media goal for 2024? And what do you think the future of social media will be for the human race? You know, I'm curious to know what your thoughts are. So connect with me at curious underscore kdo at gmail.com or on Instagram. And feel free to comment and share. And if there are other topics you might be interested in, I'd love to know what they are.